Hi there, welcome to the Second Adolescence Podcast. Here, we talk about all things queer healing and second adolescence. So what is second adolescence, you might ask? Second adolescence is a sort of developmental life stage queer people navigate in our post-coming out adult years after growing up within an anti-queer world. For many, second adolescence is about healing the wounds of our younger queer selves, gaining the experiences they missed out on, and unlocking what it means for us to exist as our most free and true selves. I am your host, Adam James Cohen, psychotherapist and human who went through his own second adolescence. We are back after taking a mini little summer break, and we'll be bringing this next set of episodes to you each Thursday featuring a new guest and their own queer journey and story of second adolescence. And we are kicking this off today with such a great conversation. Our guest today is Caleb Irwin. Caleb is someone who came out two years ago at the age of 33, which marked the beginning of his own second adolescence, which he, like so many of us, is still navigating. He so generously let us into his experience growing up in Australia in a very religious community that viewed being gay as a mental health issue that one needed to heal from and shares what his own evolution has been in navigating this belief system and his own identity to eventually get to the place he is at now. I so loved getting to talk with Caleb, particularly because I felt so much personal resonance with his second adolescence experience. It really mirrored in a lot of ways my own. Everything from feeling stunted in many ways to having this exciting and scary new first experiences to the joys of getting to share such adolescent-like excitement about dating with friends that we never got to do when we were teenagers. Oh, and just so much more. It was just such a joy on my end. And I feel so affected by this conversation and Caleb's story. And I feel so excited and honored that he wants to let all of you into it as well. And as with each episode of Second Adolescence, I really want to invite you as listener to listen with open curiosity, knowing that each of our stories are different and unique. You might hear some guests share things that really differ from your experience, whereas other guests might share things that really speak to what you went through or are currently going through. And I really hope that all of this happens and that together we can continue growing and expanding our awareness of what life and queerness and healing can be for folks. If after the show you want to connect further, feel free to head on over to secondadolescencepod.com for show notes and more, or you can follow the show on Instagram at, at Second Adolescence Pod. All right, welcome to the conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Second Adolescence. I'm so curious and excited to have you on and get to hear more of you and your story and Okay, before going anywhere, I'd like to invite the person on your end just to give a little mini introduction to who you are, just to help listeners have some context for who the person is behind the voice. Right. Well, thank you for having me. I have to say, I feel nervous, but I think more than nervous, I actually feel super validated. It's really interesting having someone ask you about your story mm. in a proper sit down, recorded kind of way. But my name is Caleb. I'm living in Sydney, Australia. I'm 35. I am currently at film school, becoming a film producer, and I identify as gay. And that's kind of me at the moment. Great. Awesome. I'm sure we'll kind of dive more into your story <laughs> as we go. And just on your first point, I am really excited that you're feeling that way, wanting to come on and share your story. Because yeah, I believe so deeply in the power of people sharing stories, particularly queer people sharing stories mm. for the sake of helping 
ourselves, helping the collective. And so I'm just so pumped you're on. Thanks for being here. And yeah, like, why did you want to come on? Why did you want to share your story? I think multiple reasons. I think firstly, the concept of second adolescence, I really love. Mm. And I find myself talking about it to my friends all the time. Because when I kind of first heard about it, I think it was a counselor or someone ages ago said, oh, you'll kind of go through like a mental puberty again now. And I was like, Mm. yeah, okay. I don't really know what that means. Mm. And as time's gone on, I've been like, oh, wow. Okay. Yes. This is very real. Like this is a very real thing that you have to go through and learning and discovering all these things that I genuinely didn't know that I hadn't discovered kind of thing. And so I think it's just really important and it's important to be able to hear other people's stories. And I think also just coming out in general, but especially coming out later, you kind of feel like you're crazy and like, have I done something wrong or like what's wrong with me kind of thing. And when you hear other people's stories that are similar, it's just so comforting to get, okay, I'm not totally insane. Like there's someone else who's experienced a similar thing. They responded in a similar way and it gives you a sense of hope. Maybe there's a good outcome for me as well. And I guess that's what I want to do. I want to give people that sense of hope. Mm. Oh, I'm so touched just hearing that. Thank you. That's really, oh, I'm so excited you're here. This is great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Okay. So let's dive in. You mentioned really connecting with this idea of second adolescence in your own story. And I guess, when would you mark kind of the beginning of your second adolescence? When did that start for you, would you say? So I'm 35 now. Mm-hmm. I officially came out in 2020 when I was 33, mm-hmm. towards the end of the year. Like I actually posted a video and kind of did like a proper full-on coming out thing, wow. um, which for me was really important because I guess I felt like I'd known so many people and I live in a beautiful community in the city I grew up in. And Like, it was like, I just wanted to be honest with everyone. Mm. And I didn't want to suddenly have this whole thing that's new information for everyone else, but not for me, and just kind of not talk about it. Mm. So I officially came out then. I'm just trying to figure out. I think it was probably around then, to be honest, because I think until I told everyone, I think I didn't actually start dealing with stuff as much as I could have kind of thing. Totally. Totally. Okay. Can I ask about that coming out and and posting that? Like. Mm -hmm. What was your thought process coming up saying, okay, yeah, I want to do this now and I want to share it in this way. And then what was it like both creating kind of the post you made and what you shared and then having it be out in the world? So I grew up in a, like a very Christian family. Mm. I grew up in an amazing family. I have to say that. Mm. My parents are so loving and my family is so loving and wonderful. But, you know, essentially it's the belief that being gay is kind of a mental health issue kind of thing. It's something that, that needs to be worked on and fixed. And, mm. and so as a result, you have a whole bunch of people around you in your community who know that you're struggling with same-sex attraction kind of thing. They, they know it and they still love you and they're trying to help you. And so it's this weird thing where to come out is not necessarily a surprise for some of those people. It's telling them, actually, I believe a different thing to you now. Mm. And so in the past, I'd seen other guys come out and they tended to just kind of disappear and, you know, leave the church or leave the community or whatever. And it usually looked messy. Mm. And from my perspective now, I get it and I get why they did that. But from the perspective when I was younger, I kind of was like, why are they just suddenly leaving? And the only people I had to answer my questions were the people that disagreed with them. Mm. So, you know, it kind of felt a little bit like, okay, they've done the wrong thing and they're bad. And I remember thinking about it, like, if I'm going to come out, I was just like, what could I do that younger me would, would want? And I was like, I just would have wanted somebody to have come out 
and not disappeared, to just come out and say, hey, everyone, I'm gay, just letting you know, but I'm not running away, still here. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, at the same time, I still totally did a whole runaway and everything. But but it's like, you know, I kind of was like, I just want people to know, I don't know, know that I'm still here, know that they could come talk to me or just know that my family still loves me. I just want something that people can really connect with. Because, you know, I'm imagining like a 16-year-old who's in church, who's thinking about it and trying to figure it out and doesn't have anyone to look up to or talk to, Mm. that kind of thing. Because I think that would have changed a lot for me if I had seen anybody in my community come out and kind of deal with it within the community. Mm. And yeah, like, is that you mentioned kind of how it was really treated as a mental health issue? Like, is that also part of it? Like, you just weren't seeing anybody being gay and having it not be seen as that, not be seen as a mental health issue. You weren't able to not only just see someone who was gay and kind of them existing. I guess, yeah, I'm answering my question probably. Like it wasn't seen as an option or okay. It was maybe still seen as, ooh, that's like that person struggling. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So that's the thing. Anyone that had come out had essentially moved on from the church because it seemed like that, because it seemed uh, like a mental health issue. So to stick around is to say, yes, I still think it's a mental health issue. Whereas, you know, accepting it as who you are, you kind of have to remove yourself to a certain degree because you need space to figure out what this means now. It makes it quite a weird argument. That's that's the other thing I found is like mm. it's arguments on two different levels because like sometimes I'm envious of people that grew up and people were calling them gay and stuff as kids or as teenagers. And, you know, that would be horrible for, for people to be mocking you about that. But it would mean that at a young age, you actually kind of have a common enemy and you, you have to go, okay, these people are bullying me. Who am I? And I've got to deal with that. Mm. Whereas in my context, it was this sense of like, we all know and we all love you and we all want you to be healthy and Mm. being healthy is to be straight. And so at the end of it, when I kind of accepted my sexuality, it was like, I have no one to be angry at. I kind of have everyone and no one. Yeah. And it made it really strange to kind of manage that anger, I guess. Yeah. I'm tangenting a little bit here. No, no, no. Oh my God, this is fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing this part of your story. Just even that difference between how, though it's still painful to have like a childhood bully, like there's more clarity, like me versus them in a sense. There's more clarity around like where that person stands versus where I stand versus it sounds like you grew up in a very loving community, but there was also Mm. this tilt of, and yeah, like we love you so much. This can't be something. So we're going to try to help get you get rid of this part of you. There wasn't a clear enemy. It was a murky. Yeah. Okay, so then when you finally did decide to come out and put that out there, was that you saying, hey, no, I want to be here within my community. I want to be seen within my community. Because were you still trying to stay within that community or were you at that point more removed? In the year before that, 2019, I went traveling, thankfully, Mm. all year, just before the world shut down. Mm. So I'd gotten to, what was I, 32, still on this whole, I have to be straight. And I personally believed it. Like I was very assured in and of myself that being gay was wrong. Mm. I have to be straight. It was really being gay is wrong because God thinks it's wrong. Mm. It's like, it doesn't matter what I think. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Mm. It's only what God thinks. And if God thinks it's wrong, then it's wrong. And I'm not going to question it. So I just kept going with that. And then I actually eventually got engaged to a girl and she knew, she knew exactly what I was going through and everything. And Mm. we were engaged for a little bit. And then we kind of got to a point where it was just like, I don't think God's going to change me before I get married. And I can't get married in good conscience Mm. as I am. 
if some magical thing happens and I suddenly turn straight, great, we can get married. Mm. But I was like, it feels wrong. There's something mm-hmm. like she deserves better, as do I. And so I just went away for a year. Mm. And during that year, I basically was by myself a lot of the time and just spent a lot of time trying to figure stuff out and trying to figure out what to do and what to think. Basically, I came back home and I thought, I was away for a year and I came home and I thought, I don't want to stay here. I want to keep traveling. I want to move away. I don't want to live at home because it's hard to deal with what I'm dealing with at home. Mm. And I, I came out to my parents and then the world shut down mm. and I was kind of stuck. And so I was kind of thinking, well, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe I'm supposed to be stuck with my parents after I've just told them this. My parents actually already knew, but I kind of came out to them saying, I'm okay with being gay now. Mm. So suddenly I find myself dealing with living at home in a lockdown and my mum's a pastor. Mm. So we had to take church online and suddenly she was like, do you want a job? And I was like, okay. So suddenly I find myself working at church again, which I used to do. Uh, and I was like, I've just accepted that I'm gay. And suddenly I'm on church staff again. Wow. <laughs> and it was uh-huh. kind of like, this is weird and not exactly the plan that I had. But she obviously knew and other staff members knew and it wasn't an issue that I was employed there. So I basically find myself back at home, back in the same community, um, back at church, just doing a whole bunch of stuff with people and kind of in a way back into my old life. And I think that was the thing that I was like, okay, this is not at all what I wanted. What I wanted was to go and escape and figure out what it is to be gay and figure myself out. But I found myself back here. And so I need to actually utilize this time and say, this is who I am, as hard as it's going to be. This is who I am now. Mm. This is who I want people to see me as. This is the truth. And even though it was really hard, I thought, well, I'm stuck. So let's just do it. So I ended up telling my parents first. And then later on in the year, I ended up telling the whole church staff in a staff meeting one day, which was really scary. Wow. And then a few months later, I posted a video online. And it was really interesting because the response I got was, I would say, 99% positive from everyone. Mm. Um, You know, some people don't know what to say. Some surprising people come up to you. One of my friend's dad's just like very manly and gruff. And he just walks up to me, gives me a big handshake. He's like, well done, mate. Well done. Wow. And I was just like, oh, that was like, wow. it's like, it means so much coming from some people. Wow. But yeah, the response was really good overall. And I think the biggest thing that I wanted was, you know, people that I probably will never talk to, to be able to watch it and connect with it. And I think almost in a weird way, going back to the common enemy thing, I was actually a little bit like, because so many people were so like, hey, that's so fine. I was a bit like, if it's so fine, (laughs) why have I had to keep this in for so long? Why is this something that I've been sitting on? And why have I been so scared and stressed and worried when most people are cool with it? Like most of the church seemed to be cool with it. So I was a little bit like, well, if we're mostly cool with it, why is it an issue? Or why do our official policies say things that they shouldn't. And, but I guess it's also, it's the time that we live in, in the sense that even five years ago, I think I would have got a very different response. Uh-huh. And I think people are changing quite rapidly and realizing things quickly at the moment. Wow. Okay. So then what happened after coming out? So after coming out, what well, I came out on coming out day, mm. which was kind of fun because I was about to do it. I was like, I'll do it in like three weeks. And then I was like, wait, when's coming out day? Like I'd never noticed when it was and I Googled it and it was like four weeks away. And I was like, ah, okay, well, that's the day I'm doing it. So I think that's in like October. So I did that. And then whilst I'd been away the year before, I'd started to have this dream of like, I really want to work in the film industry somewhere. 
but I never have. Mm. And I'm a videographer. That's what I've always done. So I've always made videos and I used to have a few different media jobs and I've kind of always done that kind of thing. But the actual film industry is something that I've never stepped into. And Mm. whilst I was away, I realized that most all of my 20s and part of my 30s, I'd kind of trapped myself back in my hometown. Mm. And I remember having these thoughts when I was younger, thinking like, if I ever moved away, like moved to London or something, I'd probably turn gay. Mm. (laughs) Like it was kind of this like thing in my head, like don't leave, don't leave your hometown because if you leave your hometown, you won't be able to keep yourself straight. And I don't think it was ever a full cognizant thought. It was kind of just this more like underlying thought. And so when I was away kind of figuring out my stuff, that was one of the things that I realized is that like, this isn't just me hindering my sexuality and, you know, not dealing with my sexuality. There's actually life dreams and goals that I have that I'm also hindering and also putting blocks to. And this has been such a big part of the second adolescence thing as well is like going, well, okay, I'm gay, but also what else have I been stunting? Yes. And so I realized, I was like, well, I want to be in the film industry. Like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm any good, but I want to. And so after I came out, the next thing I thought was like, I need to do something about that. And I know we're still in a lockdown, but I was like, I got to do something. And so one of my friends chatted to me about it. And he was like, why don't you just apply for film school? Because at least if you get in, it gives you an opportunity, but it also gives you a reason to move away somewhere. And I was like, perfect. That sounds great. So I like Google the film schools. It was kind of one of those things like, okay, what's the best one in Australia? Okay, that one looks good. And I looked up the dates and the closing day for the application was the next day. Whoa. And I was like, oh, crap. So Whoa. I just like threw together an application. I was like, I'm never going to get in, but this is fine. And submitted that. And then a few months later, they rang me and I got in and I was like, oh, okay, great. Good. I could move. <laughs> so I kind of got out and moved to Sydney And then I'm in my second year now of film school. It's just been so eye-opening realizing I've wanted to do this for ages, but I just Mm. never let myself, even if nothing comes of it, even if I'm terrible at this. It's like, it's so fine because I'm trying to figure it out and I'm finally allowed to now try and figure it out. I haven't allowed myself to, you know, I think I've been my biggest enemy in life, to be honest, which is a really weird concept to grapple with. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This idea that there's perhaps so many other parts of ourselves that get shut off and get stunted in addition to our romantic or sexual selves or whatever the the self that our queerness is connected to. But you're right, there can be so much more space that that opens up once kind of that fear or shame or whatever was kind of blocking us before coming out gets lifted. That's wild. Like Mm -hmm. in my own personal story, like that's what led me to this path uh, to becoming a therapist. I too was like, Pre coming out, I was going in a whole other direction, working in a job that like, I just thought it was kind of the one I should be doing, just kind of going through the motions and like, and then on the other side of coming out, like it just created more space for me to realize, oh, wait a minute, I feel so alive now in this one way. Where else am I not feeling alive? Where else am I not being true to myself? Where else am I not doing something because I'm afraid or Mm. I have self-doubt or whatever? And Mm. uh, yeah. So I just so appreciate you sharing that part of it. That's such an important part of it and so interesting. Wow. Mm. Oh, yes. (laughs) Cool. Well, it's crazy because you feel like a kid. That's the whole thing. Like I honestly, and I used to talk to people about this, not knowing. Mm. I would say, I always feel like a 12-year-old. I feel like I'm stuck as a 12-year-old and everyone else gets to move on and I don't. And even just the other day, I was changing one of my lecturers and I'd made a mistake. I fully stuffed up. And she was kind of saying like, you know, 
in the real world, when you have a job, like if you did this, this would be really bad. We're going to sort it out. And this is a good lesson for you. But the way she talked to me was like, in the real world, when you have, like, it was kind of like, I won't, like, I realized in my head, I'm thinking, I won't really ever get a real job. Like, Mm. I'm not really capable of holding down a real job and like doing real adult things. And I kind of caught myself thinking that being like, why am I thinking this? My lecturer, who I think is absolutely amazing, thinks I'm capable. So who am I to think that I'm not? Like, what is she not seeing? Or like, what do I think that is being covered up that she's like, Caleb's really good. And what she doesn't know is that I'm terrible. It's like, but she knows, she sees what I do and she thinks it's great. It's like, where am I getting this information from? And it's so weird kind of realizing how much you get stuck in this mentality of, I don't know, I'm a kid, I need help. Everyone knows better than me. Everyone's wise, everyone's older. Mm. And it's because I think it's so often because people are talking about things that your brain literally has not been allowed to develop and you're just stuck. Like I remember being friends when I was like early 20s, having friends that were like 18, 19 and kind of still kind of feeling like it's a bit weird that I connect with people younger than me more than my own age. And then they would grow up and get to like 21 and suddenly I'd be like, they seem old now. And I'd kind of like find some new younger friends to hang out with because it was like, I don't know why my friends keep getting older than me and I keep staying the same age. And I could never figure it out. Like I've always had the sense of embarrassment when I'm with people younger than me telling them how old I am because I feel like they're going to look at me and be like, why have you only done this much with your life? Mm -hmm. Like, why haven't you done more? Which is crazy because I actually get the opposite response. When I talk about my life and the things I've done, a lot of people are like, wow, you've done a lot with your life. Like, that's Mm. really cool. Mm. But in my head, I'm constantly feeling like they're going to be judging me. And I think it's because there's all this other stuff. Like, I haven't been able to deal with my sexuality or live the film dreams that I want to live. All these other things. It's like, that's what I'm looking at in my head going, I haven't done anything. Like, no one knows, but I haven't done anything. Right. That is so second adolescence, this idea where like, despite how old we are biologically, our inner self feels underdeveloped, our inner self feels younger. And that kind of fuels our unconscious perception and lens through which we see ourselves in relation to other people. Yeah, like this idea of like a real job or adult. I so connect with that. I am still working through this idea of seeing myself as an adult, still seeing kind of people my age or even below me and seeing them as, oh yeah, those are adults. I'm like, Adam, I'm almost 35. Come on, you're an adult. But there is like such a stunting of self that happens growing up in an anti-queer world where we do shut off parts of ourselves, more parts of ourselves from development than we might even realize. And how so Mm. much of the work of second adolescence is creating more space to start to see, hey, wait, no, like there are these parts that I can kind of grow with me now that I can kind of start to see myself as this adult, start to see myself as this person who's maturing. And I mean, there's so many layers in that because there's also this idea of like deserving of things, being enough, like there's a lot Mm -hmm. in there, but I just so appreciate you bringing up this point. And I'm really curious about our listeners' response because I think a lot of people are going to relate to that. So I so appreciate you naming that. Yeah. What's that been like kind of just bringing more awareness to that part of your experience? Like, oh, wow. Yeah. I have been kind of seeing myself as more stunted or experiencing myself as more stunted. How has that been for you? Well, it's very recent. Uh It's only been the last few months, honestly, that I've started to clock it. Yeah. Well, like last year, for instance, so I'm doing producing at film school, which is producing is kind of a thankless job because you Mm. basically pull the whole thing together and make everything happen. And then you put the director's name and that lead actor's name on the poster and disappear (laughs) and so it's hard but it's also super rewarding Mm. and i got to just before we were shooting our first films last year i couldn't believe i was doing this 
I probably had this moment where I was like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I think I'm a terrible producer. I don't want to do this at all. And I rang my lecturer, like the, the head lecturer, not the usual lecture, like the one that I like barely see, chatted to her for like a whole hour where I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, put me in a different course. I should do directing or something else. Like, I literally can't do this. I'm going to ruin everything and I'm terrible. And we had this really long chat. And then one of my other lecturers rang me and had another long chat. And basically, she was great. She actually just pulled me up and goes, do you know what? I think you're just scared. And I think you need to sleep on it. And tomorrow you'll be fine. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I did. And then I did the films and they went really well. And it was just such this weird moment of like, I couldn't believe that I got to a point where I couldn't believe in myself that much. Like I was that afraid of myself. And this is what I found so weird. I was cognizant of the fact that I was like, it's probably going to be fine. Like, you know, just press through, finish the degree. You'll be okay. But my response was like, I can't do this and I don't want to. And I can't believe I'm actually responding like this. I can't believe I'm actually this afraid. Hmm. And I think that's what started to clue me into it. Because I was like, why am I so afraid of this? This doesn't actually make any sense. Like, I'm not even doing a real job. I'm just studying. It's like, who cares if I stuff it all up? It really doesn't matter. And that's, I think, when it started to clock to it and be like, I'm clearly believing something about who I am and what I'm capable of that's a lot less than what I'm actually capable of. And I don't know why that is. And then kind of start to realize that it's this. It's like I'm 15 and trying to do a master's degree and kind of being like, guys, you don't know that I'm actually 15. Like, I shouldn't be mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a part of your story you're working through that. Has dating been a part of your story in the second adolescence? Like, what has that been like kind of starting to, if you're someone who's seeking out relationship or any type of relationship dynamics with other men, what has that been like starting to have those experiences? That's been weird. (laughs) (laughs) That is the sentence. Totally, totally, totally. Yes, Uh, yes. Weird for so many reasons. Um, Yeah. I think as well, like, and I think I only really started to realize this recently, is like, I don't really know who I'm attracted to. Mm. It sounds silly because I'm like, well, I obviously do, but I haven't tested it like you know it's like when you're a teenager you get to kind of like tell someone you like them and they reject you or like someone tells you that they like you and you kind of start to monitor the ground and be like okay these are the people that find me attractive and this is what's going on here and and kind of realizing that it's not just about who do I think is attractive it's kind of like where do I fit in this and who should I approach and all that kind of stuff Mm. and so I I think I very much kind of jumped straight into like I guess I started going on a few dates I would I mean I didn't go on dates at all until I started traveling and I was like this is Mm. safe I can do it overseas and so I think Mm. doing that was interesting because it was kind of like well it's obviously not really going to go anywhere it was kind of like I just want to see what it's like to go on dates with guys um and it was good but it, it was kind of weird because I think I'd spent my whole life being like, one day I'm just going to meet someone and it's going to be great. And that's that. And it was like, I don't want to go on dates. I don't want to have to meet random people. And also, I'm very much like a fate kind of person. Like, I just mm. think things happen and those are the coolest things. And like all of my best friends and stuff, I didn't plan to meet them. They just suddenly appear somehow and in you know the mess of life. And you're like, oh, I'm so glad you just arrived. Mm. It's always felt weird to me to like set up a date and go out on a date and like intentionally kind of wonder if this person is someone you should be with because it's like there's so mm. much to put on it. And so I've done that and I think it was helpful. But at the same time, I think, I don't know, it kind of didn't really get me anywhere in a way. I kind of felt like I 
was kind of forcing myself to be older than I was again. Um, mm. And I started to realize that when I started to notice that it's like, especially, you know, in gay culture, it's like very much like you, you can have sex on a first date kind of vibe. It's not like you go out on five mm. dates first and everyone's like, you know, maybe we'll wait. Um, and I mm. and I think for me, it was actually just a bit too much because for me, I was like, I just want to like someone enough that they want to hold my hand. And that's like it. That's as far as I want to go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so it's been so weird, like trying to be like, well, how do I, I don't know how to do that? How do I get that to happen? Mm. And, you know, it's like when I really like someone, it's like sex is like the last thing on my mind. You know, mm. we'll get there one day, but like, I just mm. want to like talk to you and get to know, like, I'm just like, that's, that's my biggest thing. I was like, oh gosh, yes. But I had some really cool experiences recently. I met a guy randomly. Not on a dating app. We're just like through friends mm. and and you know hanging out with friends and stuff, and we got along super well, and it was great. And then we started flirting, and I was like, "Oh, okay, mm. this is this is what that's like." And then in the end, nothing came of it. But I thought it would be heartbreak because I was like, "I feel like he's dating someone else, but he's still kind of mm. flirting with me." And then mm. we ended up having a conversation where I actually sat down. I was like, "Okay, I have a massive crush on you." He basically was like. I do have a crush on you as well. And I kind of have been flirting, but I am actually in a relationship. So I'm kind of leaning you on. I kind of shouldn't do that kind of thing. Mm. And it was all like, it was all above board. Like, you know, it was nothing, mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. bad, but it was just kind of like, you mm-hmm. know, just bantering with each other and, and just being good friends. And the thing was, I was so terrified all week. So I was like, oh, it's just going to be the thing again where I, I like a boy and he's straight or something. And he's just like, mm. doesn't care and doesn't even know that I liked him kind of thing. And suddenly it was like, I'm having this conversation with this guy who's like, no, no, I like totally would be into you, but I'm not. And I was like, okay, so hang on. A, I just told a guy I like him, which I've never done before. Yeah. And B, he actually was flirting with me and is kind of into me. And I was like, that's all I wanted. <laughs> like, it was kind of like, okay, cool. Go off with your relationship. I'm fine now. Like, yeah. all I wanted was to kind of be like, oh, okay, so someone would, someone actually would flirt with me. Someone actually does, uh-huh. does kind of want to do that. Like, it was so weird because yeah. I was so ready to be heartbroken and it was the total opposite. I was just like, I feel fantastic wow. because I have suddenly discovered that I'm desirable and yeah, I yeah. can flirt with someone. And yeah. And it was funny because telling some of my friends, they were like, what, why? Like they can't understand why this is such a shock because mm. they're kind of like, but you're an attractive, nice guy. Like, why would not why would someone not want to flirt with you? And I'm like, I'm not. Like, no, I'm like a weird 12-year-old. No one wants to flirt with me. <laughs> it's like mm. there's this weird kind of thing going, yeah, okay. Yes. I mean, right there, like that experience that. I think many of us can have of particularly when we spend so much of our lives up until like whenever it is that we're starting to pursue dating or flirting with people of the gender we authentically long for. Like we don't know how to be that person. We don't know how to be in that role as someone who is flirting with this other person, right? Like that's never been, at least I'll speak from my experience, like before starting to date men, that was not a role I knew how to be. Like that, mm-hmm. my role was not the one who was like guy on date, guy flirting with guy, yeah. guy holding guy's hand. Like I was in my the beginning of my second adolescence, I was consistently learning how to be this role, be this person, be this yeah. adult man on a date with another adult man. Like at first, it very much felt like I was playing a part. I was like 
I like, oh, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Oh, totally. but it, there was such a discrepancy between how what I was presenting on the outside and how I was feeling on the inside. I too was feeling like, yeah. I'm this 15 year old who has no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And so much of the work has been learning to kind of see myself as this person who can mm. flirt, who can be desired by someone else, yeah, who can be in a relationship, who can do whatever these things are, who can have sex, who could all of it. Yeah. Right? Is that similar to you? Totally, totally. Yeah. Like I always remember the sense of feeling like, particularly with like my straight guy friends, like mm. having conversations with them. And as soon as it gets to sex, it's kind of like there's a wall there. It's like there's this barrier of like, you're allowed to talk about that, think about that, do that, whatever. I'm not allowed in and I'm not allowed in myself. Like I'm not allowed in my own brain to do that, but I'm also not allowed in your world. It's like, you're straight. You're never going to sleep with me or anything. I always just felt super disconnected when I hit that point. Cause it was like, yeah. not only is that a part of your life that you don't want me in, it's also a part of my life that I'm not allowed in of myself. And mm. so it's kind of this, like, I never knew what to do there. It was kind of like, well, let's just, let's avoid that one. Mm, totally. But it is so hard to take yourself seriously in like a flirting context. I think that's what I enjoyed so much about this recent experience was like, oh, I'm just doing this literally naturally. Like this is just natural because mm. I want to, because I'm feeling it and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like what else comes to mind when you think about how you make sense of your recent chapter and this idea of second adolescence? What else has been a part of it? I think the whole like slowing myself down a little bit and realizing like I'm a kid who just wants to hold someone's hand at the moment mm. is really important. Yeah. And I think having good people around you, it's really helped me. So like moving here and having a group of friends who have only just met me has been really helpful. Like I remember last year sitting down with a whole bunch of the guys and something came up about dates and they're all talking about different date stories. And at one point I just threw in like, yeah, I went on a date with this dude once and blah, blah, blah. And no one said anything. Like everyone was just like, yes, yes. that's a valid part of our conversation. And I was yes. like, oh, okay, I'm allowed to just talk about that with these straight guys mm. and no one cares. But then more than that, I had like, I had a date earlier this year. It was just really cute. It was like really, really, this really nice date. I was kind of really excited about it because I was like, oh, that actually was a date that felt like I actually enjoyed that. That was really nice. And I think mm. it was because it just felt cute. It was just like we went for a walk kind of vibes. And I came home. And one of my mates came over and I just remembered just being like, okay, I have to tell you about the date I went on yesterday. And he literally like picked up a blanket and covered himself up and spun around on the lounge and just was like, oh my God, I can't wait. Tell me everything. And he was just like, it was almost like, it was like so gay as well. And he's like very <laughs> straight, <laughs> but it was all, but it was also very 16. Like it was kind of like, this is, mm. this is what I need right now. I need someone who's going to be like, OMG, tell me all the, goss kind of vibes it was just so fulfilling to kind of not only have this date that felt really nice but to kind of have someone come home and validate it and validate the excitement and the, the little giddy feelings and all that kind of stuff and it was just good and then and i had oh a few other gosh, experiences yeah. where some friends you know i told some friends i liked a guy and then they're all coming back to me like have you talked to him like what's happening like they all want to know and they're all stoked on it but they're all acting like teenagers about it and they're all not mm -hmm. teenagers and it just i think that's the thing it was like oh my friends it's so good because they're recognizing that this is what i need they're not coming to me yeah. and saying yeah caleb obviously you know blah blah blah. we've all been through this they right. see where i'm at right. um, and i actually had this great chat the other day with some of my friends where they were talking about how teenage boys for instance 
you know, we'll be in a group and they'll be walking down the street and they'll like see a girl and be like, oh yeah, I totally sleep with her. Or like, maybe not, not yelling sleepers at her, but like within the group kind of making jokes where it's like, it's inappropriate sure. and it's a bit too far. And it's like, mm. you know, obviously yelling at mm. someone is way too far, but I mean, in the group kind of mm. just kind of bantering about that. And they were talking about how it's like when you're a teenager, that feels it's naughty. It's kind of like, oh, I shouldn't want to mm. sleep with someone. I shouldn't want to have sex with her. That's naughty. That's bad. And they brought it up because they were like, Caleb, this is how you're talking. Like you're talking about guys like, oh, yeah, I totally sleep with him. And you're kind of making it as a joke Mm. because you're scared because it's naughty. And then when you actually like someone, you don't talk about it because you're like, that's bad. I shouldn't think about that. And so I was like, okay. And then they were like, yeah, so teenagers will do that because it feels naughty. And then you start to normalize and start to realize it's okay for you to have these feelings for someone then you become in your 20s and you're totally fine with seeing a pretty girl and thinking, I'm going to go ask her out on a date. You know, I'm attracted to her. Mm. And I was Mm. honestly like, what? No, I had no idea. Like, I was like, hang on, are you telling? (laughs) No, I've never connected this in my brain. I was like, hang on. So you're saying that like every time someone's like doing that as a joke, it's kind of like on a progression to slowly get more used to the fact that this is actually what they desire. Hence, if I'm making jokes, it's actually because I'm trying to figure out how to be okay with it. And it was like, I honestly was like sitting down and both of my friends were standing up, kind of towering over me. And I was like, guys, I feel like I'm 15 and you guys are your age, like late 20s, just telling me this stuff. And I was like, you have no idea how weird it is for a 35-year-old brain to be comprehending this and have never understood some of this stuff. I just didn't think I would have thoughts like this I didn't understand things that I literally hadn't. I thought I would kind of be like, oh, yeah, okay, I see how that fits together. Or like I've imagined mm. what this is like and now and now I'm living it. But I'm genuinely feeling like I'm going through stuff. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've never put that together. My mm. brain has never been allowed to process that properly. And now it can. And it's like very mind-blowing. It's very strange. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and like I'm just thinking about how special it is to have this group of friends who in different ways have given you this insight that you weren't even aware of, like really sparked your own kind of understanding about what your experience is now and kind of why you're having that experience and also validating kind of why you're having a different experience than they are. I also just love how they've also, it sounds like, gifted you this experience that so many of us miss out on in our own adolescence Mm. when we're feeling a crush or having a date of getting to like share with our yeah. friends and like kind of like gossip and and storytell about like, oh, I'm having this crush or oh my God, he kissed me or like the excitement, that adolescent joy that so many of us don't get to have yeah. in adolescence, you were getting to have as an adult and your friends, whether intentionally or kind of intuitively, like we're mirroring that same adolescent joy and energy, the visual of your friend on the lounge turning around and just being like, tell me everything. Yeah. And then also like this group of friends, I'm just seeing them as like, offering this experience that your younger self never got to Mm. have in this way with with regards to like you pursuing a man and just how special those moments are and how healing those moments Mm. are. Again, like giving our younger self this experience that they never got to have. Oh, yes. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And it's funny because it feels so like silly teenager, but it's like so healing at the same time. Like one of my mates said, I was like, and then on this date, like we, I kissed him and it was really good, blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling him about the date and he goes, did you get a boner? <laughs> and I was like, yes. 
And he's like, oh, yes. yes. And I was like, I, this is oh. like, I was like, why? I don't right. know. It's so good. Oh, but that's so adolescent. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Right. That was the thing that I was kind of like, oh, I guess that is exactly what a teenager would kind of be like. Did you get a boner? Yeah, sick. That's awesome. Like, that means you're into them right. kind of thing. It was like, right. oh, okay. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, those types of conversations we get to have with our communities now are so fun and playful, but also like underneath that is so much healing is happening. It's so important. Mm. That's just, that's so cool to hear. That's been part of your experience Mm. so far. And like, what has it felt like? Cause it sounds like, I don't know if the group of friends you were speaking to are the ones you've met kind of since this more recent chapter of the new year before, but like, I'm just thinking about both like having this experience of having friends get to know you as gay from the get-go, what that's like, but then also how has that been if there's any friendships or relationships from your pre-coming out life? What is that like now having those relationships? It's kind of different for every relationship. One thing I found weird is a lot of my guy friends, I kind of just found myself unsure how to relate to them now. I haven't had any negative responses kind of thing. Like they all love me and they all care about me. And I know that. But I think what I've found is it's not necessarily their response that's affected me. It's the fact that I have been somebody else in their presence. You know, I've tried to quell who I am and and be a different person. And it's really, I guess, kind of confusing trying to figure out myself around friends that I know so well, because you just kind of become your old self, you become just the person that you've always been. Mm. I don't know. It's hard because it's like, I don't want to put distance between me and my friends, especially friends I've had for years. And I want to make sure Mm. I maintain those friendships. But then it's also that sense of like, I actually do need to give myself some space to figure some stuff out. And Mm. trying to figure out how to do that has been interesting. Mm. But some of my friends are very, very supportive. And I think that's actually meant a lot to me to see people actively like this is if you're listening to this and you're straight and you know someone's come out it's like i would encourage you because this has encouraged me so much like people that actually take the initiative to tell you that they love you and tell you that they're here for you and ask you about it it's the sort of thing that you're not sure if you should talk about or ask too many questions but you know i feel like i'm comfortable enough to say i don't want to talk about it I had an older brother who died when I was 21, which is Mm. also a whole massive part of my story. But when that happened, all I ever wanted to talk about was him. It didn't matter what, Mm. and I'd probably burst into tears if someone brought him up, but that's literally all I ever wanted Mm. to talk about. And so Mm. it was like, if someone recognized that, you know, I'm going through grief, but someone would come up and say something about my brother. And I'd be like, obviously that's what I want to talk about. I miss Mm. him heaps. And so in a similar way, I feel like it's the sort of thing where it's like people don't know if they should bring it up or talk to you about it. It's like, this is literally all mm. I'm thinking about. All I'm thinking about is being yeah. gay right now and trying to figure myself out. And you coming up to me and saying, have you been on any dates? Or I don't know, like, how did people respond to you coming up here? Like anything or just like, hey, I just want to tell you that like, I support that you are gay kind of thing. Like just blatantly mm. stating it. It's like, thank you. Because I don't know what anyone's thinking. And I don't know if people support me or not unless you tell me. And it's like, that's what I need to hear. And it might sound really simple, but it's like, it's so important. First off, this hour has gone by so fast. I can't believe it's oh. only like an hour. Yeah. And so I know I, know I got to 
get to a point of winding down and letting you go soon. And I know that we're not going to get to every part of your story, but I guess in part of this conversation, does it feel like there's anything else from your experience or your story that wants to be a part of this conversation? There's only one other thing that I was thinking about that I had written down, which was, yeah, I think what I've realized is that other people experience the same thing in other ways as well. Mm. And I think that's what's really led me to talking about it a lot, talking about the idea of second adolescence. I have ADHD as well, and I have, I'm a little bit dyslexic, and I find myself talking about having ADHD a lot because I think if someone else has it and they can recognize it, then they might be able to get help kind of thing and, and do things better and easier and et cetera. And I find the same with second adolescence. And I have another friend who's straight and for all normal purposes, would just be like, has a good normal life, but she kind of did a very similar thing to me and we're at the same age, got to the same age and kind of was just like, I'm not living the life that I want to be living because of like society pressures and things. And just kind of like, you know, I'm not in a relationship and I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And, you know, essentially she was doing the right thing. Like she was trying to live the right life. And she kind of got to a point where it was just like, there's so many things in my life that I feel like I've never done. And I've just protected myself. And so she kind of, you know, uprooted and has kind of like started a whole new thing and she's loving it. And I love hearing her talk about it. I've just found it so intriguing that it's like she hasn't gone through a whole sexuality thing, but she's still going through a whole second adolescence in a lot of ways and discovering that there's other things. It's like, for me, it's like, I can't get a job. But for her, it's like, she's had jobs and like, she's so cool with that. But it's like, for her, it's like, you know, she goes out on a date and she's like, I went on a date. And it's like such a big thing. And, you know, and then we can talk about it. And I think for me, it's like finding these things and talking about them in such a way where we actually get to move on and get to grow and not identifying myself as like, well, now I'm a second adolescent person and that's what I'll forever be. Mm. It's like actually right. talking about it with your friends and getting to seeing your stages of growth yes. because then they can also, you know, come back to you and be like, that's so cool. This has happened. That's the second time that's happened to you. And, and you're kind of like, oh, it is. That's so cool. Yes. And then they can see you growing as well. And yeah. I think that's, yeah, really important because... I think the biggest thing that I feel is just like, I don't want to get stuck. I was stuck for so long and I just don't want to be stuck again. Like I want to make sure I'm continuously growing and, and because it's good. It's like the things that I'm experiencing and feeling now are amazing. I thought I'd experienced amazing things 10 years ago and I had, and now there's more amazing things. So if you stop, you miss out. Ugh. I, what do I want to say? <laughs> Often when I feel so much, I like fumble over my words. Um, <laughs> I feel so damn appreciative that you came on to share your story and share kind of your experience and perspective from everything from the beginning to this last bit about kind of getting unstuck and not getting being stuck and kind of the freedom there. Like, oh, I feel so selfishly <laughs> invigorated by this conversation. I feel like my emoji is just like arms up, just like, yes. Um, I, yeah, I just feel so appreciative to you coming on and sharing the story. And I personally am taking so much that I want to keep chewing on and thinking about. And I imagine it's going to be the case for those listening. What was it like spending the last hour talking about all this? Um, no, I feel incredibly appreciative. Like, I don't know. It's very validating. I think, no, I'm just super grateful. So thank you. 
it's a cool experience, but it's also, I don't know, it's just good. I'm just grateful. <laughs> now I'm fumbling on my mm. words. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, are you someone, if folks who are listening want to follow up or share their experience of listening to your story or ask a mm. question or whatnot, are you someone who is open to that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, what's a good way for folks to connect with you? Um, probably the best way is Instagram on their way too much, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, so my Instagram is young underscore master underscore Irwin. Maybe put it in the show notes or something. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely put it in the show notes. Absolutely, I'll link to that. It all comes from when I went on a flight when I was a kid and the flight ticket says master if you're a kid and mister if you're an adult. And I was always mm. like, master sounds way better. And so <laughs> it, it stuck. <laughs> Actually, it's ironic now because totally connects to this whole thing of like, I tried to stay a child because I wanted to stay master, not mister. Weird. Okay, now maybe Whoa. I should change my Instagram. Whoa. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Huh. Okay. Maybe unpack that later. Okay, cool. (laughs) Uh, Well, Caleb, again, I so thank you for doing this. This has been such a treat. No, thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for today's conversation. Feel free to head on over to secondadolescencepod.com for show notes and more. And you can connect further by following the show on Instagram at, at secondadolescencepod. If you're interested in being a future guest on the show and you want to come on and share about your own second adolescence, visit secondadolescencepod.com slash be a guest and you can submit your interest there. All right, that's it for me for now. Whether it's morning, afternoon, night, wherever we're finding you in your day, go on out there and keep doing things that would make younger you absolutely thrilled. That is what it's all about. Mm. All right, take good care.